Hello, and welcome to another episode of Yes, That Really Did Happen. Ever use the term, it's like a train wreck. You just can't look away. Train wrecks have fascinated people for many, many, many years. So tonight, I'm going to talk about the crash at Crush. Yes, indeed, the crash at Crush. A one-day publicity stunt in Texas, just outside of Waco, to drum up business on the Missouri, Kansas, and Texas Railroad, also known as the Katy, and immortalized in the Taj Mahal song, made most famous by the Blues Brothers, she got the Katy and left me a mule to ride. And I'll spare you from my singing on the rest of that. Although it is a great song. Look it up if you've never heard it. So, this is kind of one of those things that could only, only have happened in the late 1800s and early 1900s. It was September 15th, 1896. Two uncrewed locomotives were intentionally crashed into each other head-on at high speed. Yes, this was thought to be a good idea, folks. Just saying. So, they were building a line between Dallas and Houston. And they had a few 30-ton steam locomotives that were not very powerful. These are the ones you see in all the Old West films. These are the ones you see uh, in Back to the Future, for example. Back to the Future 3, to be precise. Um, These are known as 440 locomotives, where they have four pilot wheels, four drive wheels, and no trailing wheels. They're not huge, but... Hey, they still weigh 30 tons. They're pretty big. So, we've got these obsolete locomotives laying around. And this agent for the Katy Railroad proposed a publicity stunt. Fourteen miles north of Waco, Texas, in between Dallas and Houston, they decided to make a temporary town, named it Crush after his last name. His name was William Crush. He was the publicity agent. And he, again, thought this was a great deal. So he wanted to go out and create this. Now, where did he get the idea? There there aren't real original ideas a lot of the times. He got the idea because on May 30th, 1896, the Columbus and Hawking Valley Railroad at Buckeye Park near Lancaster, Ohio, had staged a similar crash. Uh, It was to entice residents of nearby Columbus to take weekend excursions. And there was this park, uh, uh, the railroads a lot of the time, um, trolley lines, railroads, all of those, they, they ran amusement parks to up their ridership on the weekends. And they would 
have these excursions out. So to open the park, they decided to have this crash and they did 20,000 spectators and made some money. So William Crush sees this idea and he decides that he can advertise to thousands of potential customers. Now, not only that, he's going to stage it out in the hinterlands, not in the cities, out in the countryside for a few reasons. Logistically, it's a lot better, but also you had to ride the train to see the train crash. All right. So he decided to do the spectacle and for the low, low price of $3.50 per round trip ticket. Of course, I'm not 100% sure about that $3.50 price. I will say um, that I have found flyers, and he may have charged multiple, um, he may have charged multiple prices depending on where they were. Uh, You know, maybe if they were leaving from Houston, it was one price. Maybe if they were leaving from Dallas. I can't find good documentation on that. I do know I have found two scans of tickets um and they were saying two dollars for the round trip and one said 350 so i'm not 100 percent sure about that but it is possible that he charged two different rates because you know why wouldn't you uh and if you say it was 350 that would have been about 125 dollars today which is not a small amount to be perfectly honest and so this was a huge production. Um, they said at the time, $20,000 in 1896 money. $20,000 in 1896 money was spent on this. So they went out and they created this town. They drilled two water wells to make sure there was enough water for all the people they expected to show up there. All right, and this is well before the days of you know, bottled water or anything like that. So this is very important. Uh, They got a circus tent from the Ringling Brothers because, you know, if you're going to need a place for people to get out of the sun, at the very least, Texas is pretty hot. Um, And then they got a bunch of Midway games and Midway events, lemonade stands, carnival games, medicine shows, cigar vendors, sideshows, And this was all said, this is a feature worth going to crush to see. Now, of course, they were all making money off of all these other events. This was to be a, um, this was to be a large, large, uh, just basically a party out in the middle of nowhere in this town, crush, Texas. Right. That's what they named it. This town existed for one day, basically. I mean, they built it and they tore it down, obviously. But uh, so they still did this. Everything was set. Everything was just exciting and publicity was out there. This was going to really bring people in. And it did. An estimated 40,000 people showed up 
in the middle of Texas, making it the second largest city in the state at the time. Mind you, it was just behind Dallas with the number of people that were at this event, okay? 40,000 people. Think about that in the, the money aspect. 80 to 150 thousand dollars just spent on train tickets and that doesn't even count the money that was spent on all the sideshows that was going on now they knew that crashing two locomotives into each other is probably a bit dangerous so they had 1896 safety precautions in place and, uh, you know, <laughs> as we all know, uh, 1896 safety precautions pale in comparison to uh, anything we might have seen in the last 30 to 40 years here in America. But hey, they, they at least thought about it. So they did a staged speed test of the locomotives to predict the pre precise point of the collision. And the engineers assured him that this was a safe idea, specifically that the boilers on the steam locomotives had been designed to resist ruptures and that even in a high-speed crash, they were unlikely to explode. So they would then put six boxcars behind each engine. Now, in those days, the couplers were very different than the modern train couplers, and they were very, considered very unreliable. So they chained the cars together to prevent them from uncoupling from each other during the impact. Another eye on safety, they insisted that the general public could get no closer than 200 yards away from the track. However, that's the general public. Now, you know, the press is more important. You know, you got to get the newspaper men there because who else is going to write about this? So they could put them within 100 yards because, I don't know. They thought it was safe for press people to be 100 yards away. Again, thought. <laughs> so there were 30 special excursion trains to the event. That's how many tickets they sold. People were coming in. People were enjoying the midway. This was just a huge party. Started rolling in first thing in the morning. And remember, these are all special trains. They've got to come from different locations. They've got to come. That probably accounts for the two various ticket prices that I've seen. There, there probably were more ticket prices, depending on how far it was. I mean, that would make sense. So we, they're all coming in, and they got to have something to do. And, you know, they, so they all scheduled this. And, of course, they got to have something to do while they're waiting on their train to depart because you can't park 30 trains in the city you get they, they're going to have to come out so that's what all the sideshows and all that stuff was for so they scheduled the crash to happen at about four o'clock in the afternoon however they were delayed for an hour because the crowd resisted being told to retreat to a safe distance away from the train tracks okay so the crowd's like, yeah, no, I, I, I think I can be closer than 200 yards. After they decided they got everybody far away, they put the two trains in the middle of the track to be photographed head to head. And then they were rolled back to their starting points opposite ends of the track. 
then William Crush, riding a white horse, because of course he would, uh, signaled the start of the main event. The engineers and crew aboard each train opened the steam engineers, the steam locomotives, up to a prearranged setting. And rode on it for exactly four turns of the driving wheels and then jumped from the moving train. Right. They jumped right from the moving train going, okay, I'm out of here now. And (laughs) I think it's best to read a newspaper clip I found uh, from the September 16th issue of the Dallas Morning News. The rumble of the two trains, faint and far off at first, but growing nearer and more distinct with each fleeting second, was like a gathering force of a cyclone. Nearer and nearer they came, the whistles of each blowing repeatedly, and the torpedoes which had been placed on the track, exploding in almost continuous sound like the rattle of musketry. They rolled down at a frightful rate of a speed to within a quarter of a mile of each other. Nearer and nearer they approached, the fatal meeting place. The rumbling increased. The roaring grew louder. So each train at this point had reached about 45 miles an hour. Some observers say they were traveling much faster. Um, you know, in 1896, it was very hard to judge speed. And very seriously. It, you have to think about this. This is before most automobiles. There were a few automobiles then, but nothing really. Um, and... People rode horses and horse-drawn wagons. So you can imagine the sight of these two huge locomotives, even though at this point they're obsolete and are ready to be scrapped. They're barreling down the tracks at each other about 45 miles an hour, and they're closing on each other very, very fast. Obviously coming at extra distance. To um, continue... I'll continue with the Dallas uh, Morning News article here. A crash, a sound of timbers rent and torn, and then a shower of splinters. There was just a swift instance of silence, and then as if controlled by a single impulse, both boilers exploded simultaneously, and the air was filled with flying missiles of iron and steel varying in size from a postage stamp to half a driving wheel. Okay, yeah, this did not go as planned, folks. A um, couple of things. Splinters. Why was there a shower of splinters? Well, they decided it would be safer to have some weight on the trains, so they filled the six box cars with railroad ties to have some weight. Yeah, not exactly the best idea. Um, <clears throat> and... The debris was then blown hundreds of feet into the air. And the crowd, obviously, they, they weren't having none of this. As this debris is raining down among the spectators, panic broke out and the crowd turned and ran. Two people were killed and six people were seriously injured. A news photographer, remember, they let photo- they let the news folks get closer. That included the news photographers. He lost an eye. <laughs> the locomotives and their boxcars were reduced to scraps of wood and steel. And again, we're going back to the uh, Dallas Morning News here. 
and I wish newspapers wrote like this today. I just got to say, this is just eloquent. All that remained of the two engines and 12 cars was a smoking mass of fractured metal, kindling wood, except one car on the rear of H train, which had been left untouched. The engines had both completely telescoped, and contrary to experience in some cases, instead of rising in the air from the force of the blow, they were just flattened out. There was nothing about the cars big enough to save except pieces of wood, which were eagerly seized upon and carried home as souvenirs. So, obviously, an event like this made national headlines. This made every newspaper in the country. William Crush immediately was fired from the Katy Railroad. However, it was 1896. I'm not saying death was expected, but it was more accepted, okay? The press was all positive. This was a great event. Only two people died. There were 40,000 people there. That's pretty good odds. So, the day after he was fired, he was rehired. <laughs> the victims' families, the two people who died, they quickly settled with them with cash and lifetime rail pass was on the Katy Railroad. Like, hey, you know, sorry you died watching us crash two trains. Here, you can ride the train for free. <laughs> the injured photographer, remember, this was his job. He lost an eye. It's kind of important for a photographer to have eyes. Um, he received damages of about $10,000. Um which is about the equivalent of about 350000 today. Uh, and even though the incident had resulted in tragedy, the Katy benefited enormously from the attention it received, including international recognition. And despite the disaster, many railroads just continued to stage locomotive collisions in the following years because they were such good publicity. This was an event. Crashing two locomotives was a huge event. So much so that Scott Joplin, ragtime composer, he composed a piano piece he called The Great Crush Collision March. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, the next time you think about, it's like watching a train wreck. Think about the crash at Crush, the Katy Railroad, and what was entertainment in the late 19th and early 20th century. I hope you enjoyed this foray into obscure entertainment, and I hope you'll listen to this episode, my other episodes and every new one that's coming out. Thank you. Have a great day.